Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact, way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timalkov. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, super excited today to welcome uh, a very special guest. Uh, as you know, guys, we are on the mission to uh, look out and find some of the most caring leaders from every corner of the world. And today I have uh, one of the most uh, caring CIO that I have come across, uh, Derek Kramer. Um, thank you for joining us. And making Thank the time, uh, it, it's a it's it's a pleasure to have you today. Um, and for those who don't know you, uh, it would be great if you can just share a few words and, and a brief introduction. No, oh, well, thank you, Marianne, for having me on the uh, the webcast today. Uh, it's an honor to be considered a, to be part of the esteemed group of leaders who care. Uh, my name is Derek Kramer. I'm a partner with Berigi Consulting, uh, and I have a, a kind of a a varied career, uh, different roles in leadership, uh, mostly in the CIO, CTO space. Uh, and I am currently uh, supporting other CIO, CTOs uh, as part of the Verigy Consulting Group. Um, my probably biggest, uh, you know, I guess, reason for being here is the thing I'm proudest of the most, which is uh, having an opportunity to work with outstanding professionals, see them grow and thrive and onto bigger, better things. Um, so again, thank you for having me as part of uh, today's webcast. It is absolutely a great honor to have you, Derek. Uh, and um, as I got to know you over the last few months, it was, it was so inspirational, first of all, to learn about your journey and what you do. And uh, um, I know you are you're very modest in many ways. You, you don't uh, necessarily talk about how, how great you are and so forth, but uh, I can see a lot of the, the things and the great results you, you have achieved. And... Um, of course, we often see the title or what someone has accomplished. But today and, and our really mission is to get to know people what's what's behind their success. What is their journey look like? And uh, of course, what role care played into that? So if you can maybe share kind of starting from more or less the beginning, Derek, uh, a bit of your background. I mean, I'm a little bit familiar. You come from your parents from a wonderful country. And uh, if you just share uh, your your roots, heritage, and, uh, and 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 your major milestones in your journey, that would be great. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm a first-generation American. Uh, my parents emigrated from um, Argentina uh, back in the 60s. Um, so right at the same time as the Beatles, which is all the albums you see behind me are actually their albums from when they emigrated. Uh, and so uh, they grew up, uh, kind of finding their way in this country uh, and with the hopes and dreams of giving a better life to their children, um, you know, so that we can go and, and thrive and, uh, and prosper. And I think I've carried that with me in my professional career as well. Um, I've always considered my, uh, my organization, my team, uh, my colleagues to be part of my family. Uh, and that same kind of mentality has kind of carried me through. Um, so I started off my career very early on uh, I was fortunate enough to have some really good mentors uh, in the earliest days. Um, 
a gentleman named Art Valdez, was one of my first mentors in my very early 20s. And uh, this gentleman went out of his way uh, to take me under his wing. Uh, and that had a profound impact on me when someone genuinely and authentically uh, cares about you as a person and secondarily as a professional, it's amazing how much more success you achieve, uh, how much more you're bought in and leaned into you know, what you're doing every single day and how much you know, you're taking an invested interest and in not just your own personal growth, but those around you. Um, and so Art Valdez, um, who uh, unfortunately has passed away, but he was a phenomenal mentor for me early on uh, and I was fortunate enough just a few years later when I went to IBM, I had another amazing mentor named David Zanata. Uh, and again, somebody who takes a both personal and professional interest, uh, it just made it very, very clear to me, um, this continuation of taking interest in others from the humanist side uh, it is not just, uh, not just essential, uh, it's really the only way to be. It's the only way that I know. Um, I, I just don't want to be um, you know, a professional in any other way. Um, and what I have seen is the multiplier effect that it has on my organizations uh, to uh, genuinely you know, care about the teams that you have, uh, taking a vested interest in them personally, professionally. Their growth is your growth. Um, you know, where we go, we go together kind of mindset. But not just because you read about it somewhere, uh, but because you, you genuinely believe it. Um, and when you do that, it's very contagious because it creates an entire legion of other practitioners who follow suit. Uh, and before you know it, your organization is you know, outperforming um, any of the expectations that they had. And I don't wanna say effortlessly, but it's certainly, uh, it's certainly not because of you know, turning screws or cracking whips, never had to do that in my career. If people believe, uh, they'll achieve. No, this is uh, great sharing, Derek, and uh, um, it's it seems like having a great mentor have really made a profound difference on you and the way you lead people um, as you approach them from the kind of hum, human-centric, uh, humanist side. Um, in fact, um, last we had another great uh, guest uh, here, Sandra Lopez. She said the same thing. I, I think I should connect you guys. You, you're... <laughs> Kind of, and probably many others with uh, one of the leaders who care. But uh, uh, in terms of your really um, looking at what are the, the achievements you had, and you mentioned about how you build teams, um, does it come naturally to you? What are the things that, what advices you could give to those leaders that want to improve, that seek out how to become a better leader, how to um, help their team grow even further uh, because uh, some of them are forming practice or just having their young and, and may, some of them may not even have a mentor and maybe if you comment on that uh, obviously your thoughts on having a mentor or, or mentees as well and and of course uh, some of the advices you could give to those early um, leaders that are starting or the ones that may have been in leadership for long for long but they just want to do something different and better that that can help their organization boy i mean uh it, it's nothing that happened overnight for me for sure i'm certainly a product of uh, you know triumphs and and failures uh, all in one where um you know, it took me a long time and i'm still working on it uh, every single every single day uh, to be a better a better leader, uh, to be a better colleague, um, and the one thing I will say that 
you know, almost universally stands out to me, uh, no matter where you are in your career, is you need to, as best you possibly can, where, uh, where possible, dispense with the notion of hierarchy. Um, you know, the idea mm-hmm. of having a door, a door to your office where, you know, when somebody is on the outside of that door, they behave and you know, conduct themselves in a certain way. But the second they cross the threshold, the concept of hierarchy comes into play uh, and you lose a human, you lose a humanist side of the engagement. Um, you have to find ways to dispense with that hierarchy. Uh, you know, hopefully you are in a more modern office where there aren't doors uh, and and set apart offices, and you can work together collaboratively on, in the same space. Um, but more than not, offices, you know, just the definition of the hierarchies that you have, the organizational models uh, that you have uh, posted, or the way that your workspace has been uh, set up, it defines lots of boundaries, and it makes it very clear that there is this hierarchy and a pecking order. Um, and when you have that, it certainly you know, changes mindsets uh, naturally. Um, both from you know my team to me and from me to my leadership, uh, it, it defines boundaries um, as best you possibly can. Find ways around that early on. Uh, engage with your team. Um, you know, talk about you know things that are appropriate for the workplace, but talk about non-work related items. Try to get to know them as a person first, uh, and what drives them, what motivates them, what defines them, uh, what what uh, entices them, what scares them. Um, and try to work that into how it is that you go off and achieve, uh, how you go off and conduct business. Um, so the first thing it's very hard for many to do is, especially as leaders, just the term leader in and of itself um, automatically connotates the notion of um, subordinate right, um, relationships. If that's the way that you're going to engage, you're really going to lose the caring side uh, of the leadership because um, then it becomes just top-down management. Um, but so you have to find ways to genuinely and authentically engage with your team uh, and do the same. Show, show them that you're also equally vulnerable, uh, but accessible. Uh, doing that, uh, the, the team will, they'll, they'll 10x uh, whatever it is that you set out for them to do. Uh, great things will come from that if they feel like they have, you know, your, your uh, not just, you know, oversight, but they have your air cover uh, so that they can go off there and, and you know, uh, achieve amazing things. So one good example of it is uh, a great book by Daniel Pink called Drive 2.0, where uh, I really you know, connected with the material that he has in there. Because uh, it's a lot of how I've been conducting uh, my, uh, my leadership style, but I just never had a framework. Uh, I'm not an author, so coming up with the way that he actually has crafted the narrative is quite brilliant. And I, I absolutely identify with his notion of four teams to unlock their full potential. They have to have autonomy mastery and purpose, which means autonomy means, you know, re- relinquishing some of the control that we as leaders sometimes are uh, not apt to give or apprehensive about doling out. Uh, mastery, you have to give them a chance to get some, you get good at something that they actually want to achieve mastery in and purpose. Uh, they have to feel like they're, they're trying to take on the world's problems uh, and that they, if those, th- those three things come into combination, then you have the, the super team. What is the book called, Derek? I just, uh, you know, for the ones who haven't heard. Uh, it's called Drive um, by Daniel Pink. Drive by Daniel Pink. Uh, awesome. Uh, you know what? This is a lot of the things it resonates in. I've heard in different ways, but just the way you, you kind of set them out, um, it's it's very, uh, very interesting and definitely, I'm personally interested in that book, but 
also for many others that uh, that actually want to uh, improve their their leadership and uh, and help their team to grow and uh, really make a difference. And and Eric, looking out, uh, in, how do you um, take care of yourself? How, because I I believe in order to take care of, of your team and have that, you need to uh, you, you need to to do that with yourself and be an example in a way so that you can give the best you can to your team. That's probably the thing I'm not the best at doing. Uh, you know, I, you know, as, as a leader, I see it as my responsibility to, for, for the care and feeding of my team. Um, and that, you know, that balance of, you know, how much of that, you know, is taken from me to them and vice versa and uh, the balance of the two. Um, it's an area that I continue to work on. Uh, but you have to demonstrate that. You have to demonstrate that you are feeding your mind, uh, whether it's you know, you know, reading the most, you know, most uh, recent uh, works on whatever it is that interests you, leadership styles, uh, business books, fiction, nonfiction, whatever. You have to take care of yourself, mind, body, and soul. Because um, if, if you're not emulating that, um, your team will pick up on that. That's equally contagious to the notion of teaming. Um, so if you're not taking vacations ever and you're working to the bone, um, you know, I, I've worked uh, overseas where in, you know, in some countries, uh, no one leaves until the boss goes home. Um, yeah, right? that's so they, quite they, common. Right. So, you know, if you're doing that, um, you know, is that really the message that you're trying to send or what message are you trying to send? Um, so if you're taking care of yourself uh, in whatever way that means, whether it's growing personally, professionally, uh, mentally, physically, uh, you need to share that with your team as well, what you're personally working on. Um, because again, it, it demonstrates vulnerability that you are a human. Uh, and if you open yourself up to what you're working on, they will also, uh, and more times than not, they'll reciprocate and share what they are working on. Uh, and maybe those are things that you can work on together or just drive awareness for a leader who didn't even know that somebody was having a particular struggle. Um, and you know, there may be an opportunity there for you to help that person in some ways, which is connect them. You mentioned mentors, connect them with a mentor or, or whatever is needed or uh, different programs that the company may be offering. Uh, but taking that extra step, uh, it, it just, it has a long range effect. Um, and that's where you go from being a boss that, you know, is only interacting with their team for the moment in time, you know, at which they are a team to those that interact with their team during that time and forevermore, right? These are just, these are extended relationships that go beyond the confines of the job assignment. I love that. And the, you, you just started to actually elaborate in, and talk about how to build this kind of even team culture. And, and I have a question here from a, a listener here, um, uh, Darina Stoyeva. She said, great podcast. Could you, could you share some practices and ideas on how to build a great team culture, which is you started on this. So I wanted to you kind of maybe continue and sharing some of those insights of, of, of how the, that culture is is kind of shaped and 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 evolved and, and built into into caring. I, I don't have a perfect answer here, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing that um, that I insist on um, because everything we've talked about today has been kind of the insular side, the inside of the team, right? Us into ourselves. But one of the uh, one of the ways that um, indirectly culture gets developed. And this is the byproduct of it. It's not the reason why you do it. It just becomes the byproduct is uh, volunteerism uh, and taking your team with you out into the world and volunteering as a team. 
because in that moment, there is no rank anymore. There is zero hierarchy. You are all, you are all committed to a common purpose. You have a common cause that you're all participating in. Uh, and when you're working side by side at a soup kitchen, a shelter, uh, you know, a, a, a school, whatever it is that you're working on, you're working on together. Uh, and that's demonstrating the spirit of common cause. Uh, and those are the moments at which, you know, you really become, um, you know, each other's keeper, right? You become true colleagues and the hierarchy is completely gone. Supervisors, team leaders, doesn't matter. You're all there perspective of what real world is like. Um, so that's just one aspect of culture. Uh, one of the ways that um, I've insisted on developing and driving that culture is we have to take, um, you know, our abilities, um, uh, our resources and make them accessible to the outside world. Uh, and that's one of the cultural uh, elements uh, of how we kind of built it. Um, other things we talked about are uh, celebrating um, guilds. Um, that's one of the things that one of my colleagues introduced me to is, uh, you know, making sure that the team, you know, has the opportunity to establish guilds where they themselves can come together and talk about practices, uh, whether it's the way work is achieved, whether it's the way that we celebrate or anything that they can conceive, let them come together so they can take ownership of their environment. Uh, and that in and of itself uh, unlocks a lot of talent and potential uh, and sometimes produces things that, you know, again, as, as leaders, we can, we can only see what we can see. We have, we have limits into our vision. Uh, but, you know, you have a team of 100 or 1,000 uh, individuals, and they start forming guilds, and they start conceiving of ideas, uh, and knowing that they can take that, that risk. Uh, it's it's outstanding what that will produce, and also the effect that it has on the entire team, the entire system in and of itself. Um, so, so both things. The inside is, you know, guild systems and guild practices are, uh, I think, essential to organizations. That goes kind of towards that autonomy and mastery uh, concept that I was talking about before. And then the purpose side, you know, making sure the team is not just always focused inside, uh, but take the team out as much as possible. I know with the pandemic, things have really gotten uh, a little squirrely with uh, volunteerism, uh, but, you know, take the team out into the community. Um, and as a community, uh, come together, uh, and and share you know share your resources um, share your heart. Well, love it you know Derek you, you just kind of share some really these are very simple things that you can do but uh, often they you know it's probably just doing one you know may not necessarily just uh, have a lasting effect but if it's something that comes from the heart and this is just come naturally and you do it. Um, throughout as, as often as you have the opportunity to do that starts to uh, form often they say the relationships is strengthened in a different environment or context and especially when there is no really hierarchy and barriers that's uh, that's when you bond you know whether this is sometimes just really being out there and supporting each other and caring for each other or even really on the that, that's why they say going out as a team what it's that they call it yeah. team building and other activities really starts to doing this togetherness. I think I'll, you just answered one very important thing. How, what about in this current pandemic situation? What are you, what are your thoughts on togetherness? Really? How can you on one end, because we are all pretty much zoom, <laughs> zoom is, uh, it, you know, we, we're zo zooming out a lot and then zooming in. And just the question is, how do we um, 
have that togetherness no matter where we are um is there any ideas or what do you do when the team is spread around the world uh yeah we're doing it right here on this call all right uh you know i would love to be in the same room with you having this conversation uh one of the things that i i i and many others have noticed is when we transitioned away from uh the, the office environment um into the world of zoom and everything went behind a pane of glass uh, one of the things that uh, i noticed right away is it went to uh, very business centric right away. We dispensed with a lot of the, you know, when you used to walk into a conference room and offer people coffee and that kind of a thing, and just have a few minutes to just chit chat and catch up, um, or even just outside in the hallway. We lost that. We lost all of that. And so the meetings mm -hmm. became very black and white. They became very business, you know, agenda driven. Um, and that's certainly necessary but it can't be the only way that we're interacting with one another. Uh, we're gonna lose touch right, with the humanistic side of things. Uh, and so right away, early on in the pandemic, um, I insisted on still continuing to do uh, meetings that necessarily didn't have an agenda. They weren't even meetings. Uh, they were really just you know, get togethers to you know, the guilds, right? Let's get together as a guild and just talk about you know, uh, anything, right? What, who, who's binging what on Netflix? What did they find? Um, so kind of creating communities, um, kind of a, uh, one of the one of my uh, team members uh, came up with a virtual, he called it virtual water cooler. Um, and I was like, that's perfect. Uh, just <laughs> just uh, you can just talk about stuff that you would have in, around a water cooler. Uh, we'll just we'll just do that here. So you have to almost take extra steps to try as much as you can to keep the human side of how you used to interact in the virtual setting. Um, otherwise, you'll default to you know back-to-back -back meetings that are all very heavy agenda driven uh and then just becomes like a nameless faceless type of engagement um, so you have to take as a leader especially take stock of just how much time are we spending speaking with each other uh and how much time are we spending talking to each other uh because they're different yeah. um, and if and if you find that to be you know imbalanced or you know completely out of whack um you, you'll see it people feel more and more disconnected uh, and the pandemic has affected everyone in countless ways. Um, and just ask yourself as a leader, when's the last time I checked in with my team and asked them how they're doing? What do they need? Are they falling behind on things personally or professionally? What can I do even in this pandemic? Um, or are we just going from meeting to meeting and just ticking off you know, items on an agenda? Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, Derek. And it is really what a great idea i mean uh, virtual water cooler it sounds so cold that it cools you down <laughs> and it's like uh, you know take a take take a take a really uh, break uh, what a great creativity i think um, i think while this has been a very tough moment for humanity it's also probably i'm i'm convinced a lot of goodness is coming our way and uh we're starting to see a lot of great things that 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 is coming so these these ideas are awesome and thank you for sharing we have another question from somebody that you know and this is christina and she's christina yon thank you uh, for the insights Derek. currently being in diversity month what are your thoughts on bridging values in business bridging values in business um that's a great question and uh my hope is that it's it's a, a native inherent thing with people that we don't we shouldn't have to wait for a a, a, a given month to do it um but i get i get the I like point that. right i get I, I get the point right it's it's one of the things reminding you that just in case you've kind of lost sight of it um we're going to reinvigorate it uh but bridging values in business uh you know I, I almost think about it if you have values business will come 
Um, mm. And I've seen it, and I've seen it a little bit too lopsided, where businesses are trying to infuse value, um, and as as if uh, value is a byproduct of business. Um, and so, you know, I think we've all seen who those companies are. Many of us have you know, either worked at them or are aware of them. Um, it should be companies should always be value centric at, at at the core, and business is the result of that. Um, and so that that bridge is, is a great way to phrase it. Um, whoever asked that question, it's a great way to phrase it because it's it's it is a, it is a bridge. It is a concrete bridge between the two. Um, but I do think oftentimes I've seen it where it starts with business and they add in and they layer in values uh, along the way, um, and they kind of catch up with what's kind of happening, what's progressive. Um, and they infuse that into the culture versus these things are at our core. It's who we've always been. And business is, a, you know, is, is the result of it. Um, I think of companies like uh, Patagonia, uh, where it's, it's clear where their values are and business is the byproduct. Well, this is um, a great reminder. Um, and, and of course, when you're not just here to make a profit, and this is what we're on a mission now to find out that actually... Uh, when you have uh, that care, you know, care, diversity, and it does not compromise its bottom line. If anything, I believe those three can come together so well that they're not against each other. On the contrary, I think they are complementing each other so well. Um, and and as you said, you know, when you really sincerely, deeply care about and you have a vision there will be a much bigger profits and much much more business coming your way and actually it will be even more enjoyable <laughs> because you'll be surrounded with people who actually care about something greater than just earning money uh for themselves in, in that sense so uh, um i'm sure you had a number of challenges in your career derek and where your values or the way you do business may have been put to the test um like we all, we all have challenges you know, is there a moment that you remember when your values or your your care about others was challenged or was in in a different you know in a difficult position or um, that you faced? It has happened in my career. And um, uh, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but um, you know, there are you know large companies, different personalities, um, and not everybody agrees with this. Not everybody's bought into the notion of um, you know leaning in with your team. Um, and, and living these values in this way. Um, and depending on the organization you're with, different leaders will have different mindsets. Um, and so sometimes uh, it has happened where uh, some of my colleagues um, have looked at the way that I brought my organization and uh, they, they don't like it because they, they, they worry about, well, now my organization is going to expect that of me and I'm not comfortable. Uh, that's not how I lead. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's catching notoriety and, you know, you know, pe people are talking about it more and more and for them, sometimes it can be unsettling. Um, and so I've had, you know, conversations with my colleagues and, um, and leadership in the past where, uh, without them speaking about it directly, it was clear that in you know, my leadership style, while a breath of fresh air and welcomed, um, by the organization as a whole, or especially within my team, Sometimes is is not others' cup of tea. That's not the way they prefer to run their their operations. Um, and you know, for them, they, they want to try to understand. Well, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I respond back to my team when they ask me to do guilds and everything else? But in my operations team, it doesn't make sense for me to do that, um, right? So is 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 you know your approach you know while good and beneficial for you, um, 
it, it's hard for me to reconcile with the way that I run my organization today. Um, and then, you know, you get into this whole kind of conversation about habits and they have habits in their organization and they're, they're beholden to them and they want to stay true to those habits. And they see this kind of new way of working somewhat as uh, in their minds, uh, right or wrong, they see it as disruptive. And how, how do you deal with these situations? I guess, you know, you're in a way you, you're challenging <laughs> because you're absolutely right. When, when you're doing these things and they come naturally to you, um, they may not come naturally to others. And that provides uh, uncomfort and, and discomfort that provides the, the get them out of their zone of comfort, which I believe it probably could be a great thing, but, but, you know, it depends on, on, on the approach, you know, you, you cannot compromise what you do, but, how do you, uh, you know, what are the kind of way forward? Do you support them in some shape or form or when they do? Or because it's also not up to them to tell you how to lead your team either. Well, you know, care, care has no boundaries. Um, and so if you're caring about your team, you should be caring about the company as a whole, the colleagues that you have uh, up and down, um, you know, the, the chain. Uh, one thing you must do is open up the lines of communication and be honest with each other about it. Um, because if that you know, individual has uh, an issue with it, you're going to want to know. And if you really care, just like you care about your team and you're giving them autonomy, mastery, and purpose and all those kinds of um, you know, great things to work with, great tools to work with, that same mindset has to apply to the way that you're interacting with your colleagues. You have to open up the dialogue, bring them in on what it is that you're doing and vice versa, have them bring you in and see, you know, hey, do I need to tailor my approach here a little bit? Maybe, uh, maybe I'm being too, you know, uh, ambitious with the way that we're approaching this. Maybe it's too, um, maybe it's too um, alarming for certain individuals. You have to have that conversation. You have to have that bi-directional dialogue, and it has to inform the way it is that you are introducing um, kind of cultural mindset, cultural improvements. Because uh, the last thing you want is for it to be misconstrued uh, in any way, right? Your intentions are good, um, but even with intentions are good they can still be off-putting to certain individuals uh, that may have other reasons to conduct their organizations in different ways um, so you have to be accessible not just to your team but to them uh, and and keep tabs especially if what you are doing is introducing change uh, so if what you're doing is different than what was done before uh, there it's never without consequence um, so you have to have that dialogue with your colleagues with your peers uh, and check you know, check the temperature and make sure they, they know where you're coming from. Um, and more than anything else, just like you're opened up to your own team and uh, the way that you uh, interact with your, uh, your organization has to apply outside of the organization as well. Now, it becomes a way of living and in a way it's uh, just, uh, and it comes naturally. And, and of course, uh, I think it's inspirational when you see others care and the way they care. You can learn so much. You know, that's uh, I'm very curious naturally. So, for me, it's uh, uh, you know that's a way to find out what others are doing. It's the creative thought, creative thinking. And um, Derek, in you've done so much, and you arrived at a, such a kind of point of your career, and you helped so many teams. Uh, uh, develop. I know just before coming on to the podcast, we had a discussion with Derek, and um, uh, he's just telling me about the picture behind, you know, that you have on uh, uh, on that. And I uh, just wanted to share with the audience that uh, most of those people that you have led in the past have uh, been 
successfully progressing and a lot of them are in key positions as CEOs, or CTOs. And um, I can see why now, Derek, you know, by sharing your story, you know, it's, it's what a great way to inspire them, to, to look after them and, and really uh, uh, help them to, to um, develop and grow um, and, and have that profound impact on positive impact on people. Um, after doing so much, Derek, and uh, clearly, uh, not to mention the comments we've been having on on LinkedIn when you appear, and it's just a great recognition for your service. Um, what excites you at this moment in time? Uh, same as always, people. Um, I am I, I get very energized by being uh, by being with my teams um, and watching them thrive and and giving them you know the the space that they need to achieve things that I can't even conceive of. Um, it still energizes me to this day. Uh, I you know like you said the picture behind me or any of the teams that I've had the privilege of being a part of. Um, you know it, that is uh, that's what gets me you know excited about the day every day is when I have the opportunity to work with a group that. Um, they want to do well, um, and can I help them? Can I help them achieve that? Um, so the team that's behind me, like you mentioned, they've gone on many of them to unbelievable um, you know, heights in their careers, and they're still uh, on an upward trajectory, right? They're, they're, they still, they, they, they're, we don't know where their edge is. Um, I, I think of it uh, much like, like some people. One one person told me, and this is not everyone's favorite way of looking at it, but it's just a just if you take it for the sake of the expression. Um, you know, our kids come into this world pretty much perfect. It's, uh, it's us as parents that sometimes ruin them. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't take credit for any of what uh, my teams have achieved. Um, I am simply there to make sure that I don't ruin things for them, um, that I give them every opportunity to be successful because they're magnificent uh, in and of themselves, right? They, they are amazing. They, they, there's a reason why they were hired by me or the company to be there, right? They have achieved. Um, how do you uncap that? Um, and as a leader, that's what you have to figure out is how to, how to, you know, sometimes not get in the way of that magnificence. Um, and for some leaders, that's, that's, uh, that's a dynamic, that's a paradigm shift that they're not accustomed to, uh, right? It, it's the, it's the, uh, the ordinate subordinate, uh, kind of relationship. Um, I'm, I'm in this role because I am more capable than you. So you'll follow my lead. Is that really always true? Uh, because the folks that are in the picture behind me way, way more brilliant than I'll ever be. Um, so how do I create an environment where they can be that brilliant uh, and not feel like they can only be as good as I am? They can only be as smart as I am, um, because if I do that, then as a leader, what am I really? I'm an artificial constraint. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that and that's a recognition that, um, you know, many, many leaders have. Uh, and as, as soon as you recognize that, what do you do? What do you do about it? How do you still achieve achieve the goals and the successes that are expected uh, without being unintentionally, sometimes a bit of a, an, a, an artificial constraint. Absolutely. And we all make mistakes. So that's what I wanted to say to all the leaders around the world. And uh, I believe that uh, starting to take, uh, to pay attention to those things, to, to take more care of yourself, of your team, actually benefits most the one who cares, in fact. And uh, it, it's just, it becomes much more enjoyable. Uh, I, you know me, Eric. I, I always, I also told you when I met with you first, and then I heard it was what a great, you know, very inspirational. And and I said, Derek, you know, I want you to to have more uh, uh, abundance. I wanted to have, I wanted to be more not only financially abundant, but also wanted to have more free time and more joy. <laughs> and 
And of course, you know, it, uh, I think I believe that can be possible with your team. If you have a great team, there are team that actually cares. All of that is possible. You know, you don't have to micromanage anything, which frees you up to do time. If you bring the right people, as you mentioned, and put them into the right context to like help them master certain skills um, and share a vision and purpose, um, you don't have to, you know, administer anything. You just, you know, let them, you know, you provide that context and environment for them to grow. So the 10x or whatever x it's coming your your way. So you're more successful. You have more time, more joy. Um, I'm convinced, you know, and uh, that is that is the way forward. But it's not always easy to accomplish that. So my message is to uh, everyone that is considering this: try it, you know, and but stick with it for a while. It's uh, it's not one thing. It's just multiple things, and sometimes may not come naturally to some people. But it's actually nice to challenge yourself and get out of your zone of comfort, and uh, you might actually like it. And once you start liking the things and you know what you see, then it becomes natural because you you relate to it. You know, it's it's very important what memories you you create. And as you said, with as parents, and we all make mistakes with our children. You know, if you have a bad experience when they teach them to read, um, they may not like reading <laughs> after that, you know. <laughs> so so it's, it depends on what state of mind you are. So, But, but you can heal. That's what I, my message is. Uh, I'm convinced and I've tested with myself. You can do anything at any time and you can change in any age of your life, even if you're 80, 90 years old. Yes, after... After age of seven and after age of 14 and age of 21, things getting more difficult. These are carry-go ages, actually, because of the, the way the brain is formed. And it takes longer, but everything is possible, you know, to do it at any moment if you have the right, the right lever and motivation. I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm not giving the impression that uh, there's this kind of wild, wild west that should occur in organizations. Um, it, it needs to be tempered based on, you know, the circumstances that you're in. Um, you know, maybe you can't give full autonomy. Maybe you're part of a, you know, a, a group that really has rigidity in it by design. It's regulated or it's a safety, right? But there are still things that you can do, uh, even in those settings, um, even small scale, right? That are just more appropriate uh, or germane to your specific function. If you're in a full startup, then there's probably a lot of room for autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, so it's, there's different scales of it, but at least if there's elements of each of it, uh, you, your organization, you'll uncap the value. Uh, you'll remove some constraints that sometimes are there, you know, by design and should be, uh, whether they're safety related or compliance related. But in a lot of instances, you'll find some of those constraints are, are artificial in nature. And they're really sometimes more based on habit than anything else. Absolutely. And, and. Thank you for sharing that. that I couldn't agree more, you know, Derek. And um, this is, uh, we, we just wanted to share our own experience. And and if it works for us, of course, uh, you know, you, you need to be, of course, flexible and make sure it's tailored to the situation. But the principle is in broadly, the, you know, it, it's the same. It's, uh, you, you could you could see and how you can deploy that um, in, in that aspect. Derek, uh, in you were looking into the future um, when you close your eyes and think of what do you dream of for better worlds? You know, what are your 
vision for for the next uh, three to five years or even beyond that what are your things that you you'd love to see uh, um, for a better world uh, a, a enthusiastic and authentic approach to climate change <laughs> well i think that's th that is happening already you know in a way but of course a lot more can be done absolutely um yeah, it's one of those, you know, depending on your perspective and everyone's got their own. Uh, it, it makes sense to me on so many different levels. Uh, it, it's an it's obviously it's our earth, right? With our responsibility uh, to leave it better than we found it. Um, you know, I, I've done alpine climbing, right? And alpine climbing, it's always, you know, leave no trace. Um, and uh, mm. as as humans, we're, we're, we're not particularly amazing at that, uh, at least not in enough cultures uh, of leaving no trace. Uh, but when you think, when I think about climate change and what it could mean, uh, you know, the opportunities that it it provides, right? It, that, what greater purpose can there possibly be than Mother Earth? Uh, and then behind that, the amount of innovation that it's going to bring, um, the amount of you know new ways of thinking, new ways of living, new ways of working, right? New ways of you know consuming, uh, all those things. You know, I just, nothing I believe uh, affects more universally uh, than that common cause around climate change. Um, so it, to me, it's anything we can be doing, um, uh, any ways that organizations and every organization, uh, every organization can play a role in it. Um, wh whether you're in the energy space specifically and your, your organization is you know, making strides or, uh, you're part of a, a, you know, I don't know, a regular kind of a nondescript function, uh, and you take your team out for a beach cleanup day. Um, all of us can play some kind of a role. Um, so when I, when I wake up and I think about, you know, what, uh, what, what eats at me is when I watch the news and I see, you know, more climate reports. And, uh, when I read about what's happening with ocean temperatures and 1.5 degrees above, and, uh, what can we be doing? Um, small scale, large scale. What a great uh, message. Well, I agree. You know, you, you can just start very small, look to the left of you, to the right of you and see what else, wh what can you do? You know, I, um, and and also encourage the, the the younger generation, you know, and lead by example. I think just picking up a, a litter from 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 the floor, it's it creates uh, you know shows an example, and, and and then kids start to do it, and uh, they start to actually um, be more mindful of that. You know, there was a, uh, yesterday. I just I was privileged to to climb uh, one of the most energetic places in on Earth. Um, and we're very mindful as we're climbing because it's beautiful and polluted land in the, in the mountains with number of lakes. Um, and, and I discovered with a great friend of mine that he said, you know what, whenever you, because we're drinking bottle and we pick a couple of bottles, you know, on the way, you know, back and they, those bottles had lid on it. And he just said to me, you know what, how important is just to remove the lid of the bottle because if you don't remove the lead, that goes basically to the whole process. It takes more space in the litter. And then when it goes to be uh, squeezed and, and kind of recycled, it's, it gives a very hard time. And it's super energy inefficient because it takes, instead of having a two-liter bottle you know, full of air, you can have two liter full of you know, litter. And, uh, and the problem is when it compresses, it, it resists and creates a lot of... Uh, difficulty for being recycled 
So just removing the, the, the lid, <laughs> it's kind of a, so simple, but it can actually have a profound uh, positive impact on that. So I think uh, just little things like that um, also personally I relate to and, and inspire me, but they can become big things if they're shared. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, just the, the one little droplet in the water, right? Um, and if anything, just, just just to me, just that act, you know, starts developing habits around always trying to take an extra step, thinking about the environment. Um, you know, what might seem small now, you know, somebody else, like you said, sees you do that, and then and they start doing it, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, so I applaud I, I any effort anybody can make to uh, to take these steps. Excellent. And Derek, uh, just before we, we kind of uh, finish today, um, we talked about obviously your profession of CAO and uh, really briefly, but um, what inspired you to get into that field and uh, what are your advice of anyone considering career in, uh, in, in technology or as a CTO or CIO and uh, um what is your kind of take on it and advice and guidance? Um, you know, so what, what brought me in, I guess maybe the, uh, the way to answer this is what brought me into technology field and technology function is um, all organizations uh, are of paramount importance. We're all part of the same spectrum. Uh, we're all part of the same mission uh, in our organizations. But what particularly drew me to technology is that it allows you to make it whatever you need it to be. Uh, technology is one of the great equalizers that's out there. Um, I've always told my team that, uh, you know, when it comes to you know, software, I mean, look how the world has changed. Everybody is entitled to uploading their code, uh, putting an app out into the app stores and Google Play stores. Um, it's a great equalizer. Uh, and when you're part of a technology function, you can shape it into whatever you, whatever you can conceive, uh, you can make it into that. Uh, you know, I, I think of the you know, equivalent to that would be like YouTube. Um, everybody that has access to the internet and a laptop, and I know that's not everybody, but for those that do, it's a level playing field. Everybody can upload a video, and all of a sudden, you know, they are the the, the baby shark, right? That's been seen by you know two thirds of the earth. Um, and and code is the same thing, and technology is the same thing. You can create something, and it is as accessible for you to develop a product or capability for a company as it is as an individual, as it is for a large organization to do the same thing. Um, technology can be shaped into whatever you need it to be in the way you need to be in the time that you need to be. Uh, and every day that passes, that statement becomes more and more true. The playing field becomes even more and more level. Um, I think we need to do more as a, as a, a society to get more uh, people involved with this uh, and make you know, internet accessible and laptops more affordable. Um, so there's lots of work to do out at the edges here for sure. But as a practitioner, uh, that's what's always drawn me into technology is um, you can shape it in a way that the organization both needs it uh, or will ultimately want it. Um, you, you can play both of those roles for an organization, and that has an unbelievable effect um, on the on the company. Well, thank you for sharing that. Any final words or advices uh, you know that you may want to share with somebody considering a career in that or just overall on, on, on kind of your journey and experience? Uh, 
if you know if the message that I'm sharing with you, uh, if it resonates, uh, I'm I'm delighted. Uh, even if it's just bits and pieces that maybe are relevant, like again, I, I, I don't want to give the impression, kind of a disclaimer. Um, not everything that I've been able to do or that I've done uh, has been you know universal fit everywhere. Uh, there it has to be tempered. Um, so remember that. Uh, remember that you know steps that you're taking. You need to bring others in uh, on what it is that you're thinking about doing. Uh, both inside and outside your organization, uh, and you know, just take small steps. Uh, take take small steps and uh, and recognize that a couple things. Uh, if you're a leader who cares, uh, make sure you're surrounding yourself with others that are like-minded. It's a very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Somebody also said it is also good to uh, have opposing views, unlike-minded in the sense to and that allows you to challenge your your belief and see whether you have a different perspective you can either change perspective or you could actually firm it up even more and in, in that science so so uh it's a very interesting when you said like-minded and and i heard others saying also unlike-minded because that's isn't that the the notion of diversity because diversity means people are different but agree mm -hmm. Well, sorry, when I mean like-minded, you're right. Uh, I mean at the core, that they're heart, uh, that they care. Uh, if they're coming at it from a, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. If, if, if at the core you're, there's, there's uh, similarities, uh, then the debates can flourish uh, and you'll inform each other's thinking and you'll learn from one another. Uh, differing views are fantastic. I love, I love healthy conversations. Um, I love it. I love being challenged um, uh, and never to be entrenched, to truly be you know, a, a true like autodidact, somebody that really is actually out there with the interest of learning, uh, always learning. And always learning implies that you just don't always know. Um, so if you don't know, you can't be entrenched. So you have to have that outside thinking. Uh, but as long, long as the, the, you know, the individuals that you're interacting with, uh, they have that, that good heart at the center and they're coming at it with good intention uh, and good intent and it's bi-directional. Um, they also wanna hear your perspective. Uh, then, you know, amazing, right? Amazing comes from that. No, thank you so much, Derek, for sharing all this and making the time. Uh, I'm sure many people that uh, may maybe in IT or, or technology uh, uh, may be inspired by this. But if any one of them wants to get in touch with you, <laughs> you know, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, LinkedIn uh, is uh, has always been the the, the magic path uh, uh, for me to others and from them to me. Uh, so happy to engage in further dialogues with uh, those on. Uh, on the LinkedIn channel. Thank you so much, Derek. Uh, what a great inspiration. Keep spreading goodness and thank you for being a leader who cares. More than anything, thank you for having me. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm, I'm uh, humbled to be part of it. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the leaders who care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community first by taking care of yourself, and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.